So to start off this sanctuary series of building up the body, I've been uh, given the subject guest and new believer care. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about guest and new believer care. If you are a guest here tonight, I just want to preface this lesson by saying that we here at New Life Fellowship are constantly trying to not only have a great church, but also create a great experience for all of our guests. We want to better ourselves. We want to be better in the kingdom, better men and women of God. So tonight we're going to talk about how we take care of our guests and the new believers and new members. If the body of Christ is to be strong and able to function the way the Bible tells us to function, we must continually have to look for ways to improve ourselves. If we don't look at ways to improve ourselves, we just stay where we are. My father-in-law, he's a man of many quotes, and one that he's always taught me, he says, if you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And I I, I try to live by that, that every day I wake up, I want to improve Even though I've had the Holy Ghost for 25 plus years now, I still get up every day and I say, what do I, well, I say, I say, Lord, what do I need to do to get better? But then I say, okay, let's just start with one thing because I got many things in my life that I need to get better on because as a Christian, it's our obligation. It's our duty to grow in Christ. We can't stay babes. We can't stay as little children in the kingdom of God. We have to grow. And as we stated a couple weeks ago into mature Christians, amen. So with that said, as the church grows, and it will continue to grow by the guests who choose to come to our campus and worship the Lord with us, the guest chooses to come to New Life Fellowship, and they make the decision. They wake up and they make the decision, I'm going to go to church today, and they drive by. There's been many testimonies that I've heard where they drive by and they say, I was just driving by and I just felt a tugging on my heart that I needed to stop or I needed to come this Sunday. So it is because of the guest, the reason why the church grows is because of our guest, the reason why we're going from this sanctuary, or let me back up and say the reason why before, way before my time, over at the North Campus, they packed that, uh, that sanctuary out. They built this building, and now we've outgrown this building, and we're building a new sanctuary because we put emphasis on our guests, and the guests are the reason for growth. It's when they walk in the doors, even let's just go back and say it's when they pull on the parking lot, when they walk in the doors, they sit in their seats, and it's how they're treated that will make all the difference whether they decide to come back and worship again with us. Amen. See, the guest is always a blessing because they are always people that are looking our way. There are always people that are looking for a church, looking for a place where they can go and feel loved and, and, um, and cared for and feel like they're a part of it. Now, tonight's lesson is probably not going to be your normal. I apologize for no handout. Um, just uh, many variables play into that. This lesson tonight, I've looked at it, I prayed about it, and it's more of an informational uh, slash instructional way of how we are to care for guests, new members, and new believers. As the church, it is our job. Everybody say it's my job. It say it's my duty 
to provide every guest with the best church experience they can find. Not that we're in competition with any other church. We're in competition with ourselves. Because we want to present not only Jesus Christ, but we want to present Pastor Harple and all the leadership. We want to present New Life Fellowship in the best possible way. And the way we start doing that is by how we treat and how we handle guests. Their church experience when they come here is exactly what they get based upon their relational experience with you and I. We are not a um, seeker-friendly church. We are um, a 100% guest-friendly church. Amen. We are a guest-friendly church. So what we're trying to accomplish here at New Life Fellowship is an atmosphere that makes every guest that drives, walks, or gets here by some other means feel welcomed and loved. Now tonight, I'm, we're implementing, let me just say this, we're implementing everything I'm going to talk about tonight. What I'm, what I'm hoping to do is just hone in a little bit and help us to be more conscious as we see our guests because we're... We're experiencing revival, but we're really about to have exponential revival. Amen. It's all right. You can talk back to me. I don't normally like kids talking back, but you can talk back to me. It's all right. Amen. (laughs) Oh, man. Maybe we should cut the lights back up. It's tight in here tonight. Praise God. Amen. It's, we, it's our job, our obligation to create such an atmosphere that displays what we are here at New Life Fellowship about and what we live out on a daily basis. And that is a place where no one has a past and everyone has a future. Regardless whether you come, you are a, a guest that had a rough background You come as soon as you come in this place. We we are not concerned with your past. We're not concerned with your mistakes. We're concerned on what the Lord wants to do in your life. In order for that to be felt and presented to those that choose to come and choose to worship with us, there is something that we all have to play a part in, and that is what is called guest services. Now, I know that it's not a term that's normally used in church or in the kingdom of God, guest services. You think of Disney World or you think of a theme park. You don't think of Walmart. (laughs) You think of Disney World. And um, I, I hear a lot about Disney World because my, it's my wife's uh, part of my wife's job as a travel agent. And um, the guest services, if you've ever been before, you know, we enjoy going. But it, the guest services is unprecedented because they realize that in order to fund everything that they want to accomplish in that city of Orlando, they have to treat their guests with the utmost respect and go above and beyond everything that that guest expects and is paying for. So tonight we're going to talk about guest services. And what is that? Guest services are how we welcome, they're how we inform, and how we serve every person who attends our church. It is providing for our guests their their and their experience, it deepens on a number of factors, volunteers, leaders, and the overall feel of the church. One could ask, when does guest service start for a guest? When do we actually start serving the guest? It starts the very moment that they pull on to the parking lot of our campus. 
From the time they drive down, and I know we're under construction, but from the time they, they turn into the parking lot, they have already gathered in their mind a idea or a pre-notion of what this church is all about based simply upon the appearance of the outside. It is at this moment that an opinion has been formed about what the church is going to be like on the outside. Acts 20 and 28 says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I, I just want to say that it's all of our jobs for the sake of the guests to make sure that the facilities are taken care of no matter what it is. From the smallest of paper to the emptying of a trash can to, to if there's a weed in, in the rocks, in the landscaping, it's, it's, it's our job, my job, to make sure that I help present this body of Christ, this assembly, the best possible way I can so when the guest pulls in, the opinion that they form is not already hindered before we've given them the opportunity to worship with us. Buildings and grounds, one could say, well, ah, that's not really my thing. I don't really handle that. I, I, you know, that's not my paper. That's not my bottle. The Bible tells us that in Acts 20 says that we're to, uh, pay, to pay attention and to take care of the church. This is our church, right? This isn't, this isn't uh, brother, brother Dennis Hoopengarner's church alone, even though him and Brother Lemoyne worked tireless, tirelessly on the building and the cleaning staff. This isn't just their church. This is our church. And if we're to create such a guest experience that when they walk out of here, they go, wow, the church is, is, is on fire. I felt something I've never felt before. But it's so clean and you would never know that there was ever a mess. It's our job to be buildings and grounds. It's all of our job. Somebody say amen. And while we're thankful for, as I said, Brother Dennis and Brother Lemoyne and all the cleaning staff and all that they do to keep our facilities in not only working order, but very well presented, even to uh, the bus ministry, those that clean the buses on a weekly basis and they wash them uh, whenever they're necessary. That bus that's driving down the street, people read that New Life Fellowship and they see who the pastor is and they make an opinion based upon how that vehicle is taken care of. So the guest services starts on the outside. It starts as soon as they pull up into the property. Then once the guest gets onto the property and they see how beautiful it is, it's clean, the landscaping's taken care of, the grass is mowed, there's beautiful trees, there's good striping on the parking lot, there's not, not trash and debris everywhere. Once that guest is pulled onto the campus, they are greeted by our parking lot minister. I don't know about you, I, I, I know it was an adjustment at first, but I'm thankful for the parking lot ministry. I'm thankful that when we have to park down by the bus barn, I told pastor one time, I said, I felt like the children of Israel. I could see the promise way over there when, on a Sunday night when I parked over there. And um, I just take off walking. And if a golf cart comes and picks me up, praise God, I'm thankful for the parking lot ministry. These men, and, and, and I think there's a couple ladies out there that they get here at 745 on a Sunday morning. 
They don't get here just because they love being out in the cold. They love being out in the rain. They love being out in the, in the heat when it's summertime. They come because they love guests. And they want to give that guest the best experience possible. And you say, well, how do, how do they do that? They do that by parking all of us away, away from the church. And letting our guests have the front parking spot. Amen. It was a couple Sundays ago, I believe, that we were full, 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 and the parking lot was full. And, and the, the, I heard someone over say that we were parking cars everywhere because we had no parking. Had it not been for this parking lot ministry that cared enough about guests to say, Oh, Brother Barber, I love you, but you see the bus barn way down there. Anymore, I don't give them a chance to point. I just start turning. And I thought, well, I, I'm a little embarrassed. I don't, I don't want to just like seem rude, just waving at them as I go by. So I just go into food pantry entrance and I park down there. Because I want to make sure that our guests, when they come here, I'm not worried about the presence of the Lord that they're going to feel when they come in this house. I'm not, I'm worried about, I want to make sure that they're, that they're taken care of from the time they pull on to the time they park their car. And our parking lot ministry does that. They're out there no matter what. They, they smile big. They wave them orange wand flashlight. We got the cool vest on. Say New Life Fellowship on it. Everything is done with precision and is pointing towards the guest. And as the saints or the regulars of New Life Fellowship, we have to be willing. Let me go say this about the parking lot. We have to be willing to give up the convenience of close parking in order to make sure that every guest is able to park closer to the building. They shouldn't have to park in the grass. They shouldn't have to park down by the bus barn. They shouldn't have to walk a ways to the sanctuary. We have to make it known without any shadow of doubt that when that guest pulls on the parking lot, we're ready for you. We want you here. We love you. We want you to have an ease of experience where when you get out of your car, it's just a short walk till you see another smiling face. That's what we're trying to accomplish here at New Life Fellowship. A simple parking spot close to the building gives the impression that you're welcome here and we want you to come inside. Once they're out of their vehicle, I understand this is very simple and very simplistic in thought tonight, but I think it's good that we're reminded sometimes of that we, get, we can get so inundated. I've been in church since I was 15, and I can get lost in the moments of being a saint and sometimes lose the vision that I once was a guest as well. And I have to be reminded, okay, I got to do this and I got to do that. I'm passionate about what I'm teaching tonight because I try to live this out every single day. No matter where I am, no matter what I'm doing, how you see me at church, smiling and shaking hands and talking to everybody and cutting up, that is Tim Barber every day of the week. Because I want to show that I, when I come and I put on a suit coat, I don't transform into a super Christian. But my, my guest services starts when I wake up in the morning. Because I don't know who I'm going to see out in the, in the, in the area that's going to say, strike up a conversation about church and say, where do you go to church? And I say, I go to New Life Fellowship. Oh, that's right. I saw you the other day. And there I was, wasn't acting right. I know I'm the only one that don't act right sometimes. But I want to give them the best experience 
that they can have. So once they're out of their vehicle, they made their way to the atrium. We have a great welcome committee and uh, guest ministry team that's set up with doormen. The doormen are there. They open the door. They shake the hand. They greet them with a smile. And I know you've all seen this on a daily basis. And sometimes they just simply say, good morning. Or we're so glad you're here. Thank you for being here today. That's what we all, we all do. I, I have to do that. I have to make sure that I'm going above and beyond to speak to every single person that I think is a guest or know as a guest. Amen? And I'm, I'm, I'm getting there uh, to us. But then we find our greeters. As we see the guest approach, if you're on the greeting team, and I know that this is already in place and you're doing it already, if you're unsure um, if they're a first-time guest or they've been here before, I always ask this question because when I first started coming here, I'll never forget, and I don't remind, rem- remember exactly who it was, but I walked over to this section in the back, and I went back, and I said, Hey, praise the Lord, so glad to have you. I said, I'm Tim Barber, and they said, I know. And I went, Is this your first time with us? And they're like, No, we've been, we've been coming here for like 25 years. <laughs> I said, sorry. I said, oh, and I I don't just say sorry and walk away and make it awkward. I try to be as normal as possible. And I say, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I've not had the opportunity to come and, and introduce myself. Please forgive me. What was your name again? And I'm in sales. And in sales, you're supposed to have uh, a memory where you remember names. I'm terrible at names. I remember faces. I'll see you out, uh, at the second church. And that's called Walmart, if you're not familiar. I'll see you there, and I'll say, hey, how's it going? And eventually, I'll get where you tell me your name and don't realize you tell me your name. Because I'm not good at names, but I'm good at faces. And I have a memory like a steel trap. I remember one time my wife and I were dating, and we were engaged, and it was close to our wedding day. And we were at dinner, and I have, I don't know if you noticed, I don't have hyperactivity, but I have attention activity problems. I, my mind's everywhere at times, and I can. We were at dinner, and she was across from me, and it was romantic. It was lights were low, had me a good old steak, and uh, I was eating, and she's talking, and I'm listening to what she's saying. But as she's talking, I'm looking, and I'm listening to this conversation. I'm reading the lips over here. I can read lips from across the room. I was deaf up until 15. I can read lips from across the room. And I'm watching everything that's going on. And my wife puts her fork down. And she goes, Tim. And I say, yeah. <laughs> and she goes, would you listen to what I have to say? And I'm like, I am. She goes, no, you're not. You're looking at everything behind me and around. I said, yeah, but I'm watching them because she was late. And I began to tell her what they're doing. And they're she goes, you're not listening to anything I have to say. And I said, do you want me to tell you exactly what you had to say? And she said, why, yes, I do. And I said, okay. And I began to go word for word for the past five minutes. And, and uh, I wanted to go five minutes, but she shut it down. About th- She said, okay, okay, if you could just look me in the eye. So I've started trying to do that and hone in that. But I've, I've learned that I've had to take and focus my attention on the person at hand. And if I'm going to be in guest services, when that guest comes, even though I may not know that they're a first-time guest or second-time guest, or they've came here for 25 years, I always ask them the question, ah, I'm sorry, I haven't met you before. Is this your first time worshiping with us? 
And if they say, yes, it is, then that's where we, if we're in the atrium and the greeters are there, they say, well, let me just explain some things. Right here's our cafe. You're welcome to get a coffee. We sell donuts. We have the best biscuits and gravy in town. And I said, if, you have, if they have children, you point them in the way of the, the check-in desk for the children. You give them direction because they've never been here before. They walk into a large facility. They don't know anybody. They've been greeted in the parking lot. The door was open for them. And now the first person they see is our greeter. And they have a, a, um, they have a, a, a pamphlet with all of our information on it and things that are going on that week. And, and they just need a little direction if it's their first time. If this is their first time worshiping with us, we have to give them details of instructions of what, where things are and what they can do. So now the guest has came on the parking lot. They've parked the car. They've been greeted by the doorman. They've got a little bit of information on where they are and what, what, where they're going. And now it's up to us, the body. If we're not greeting, if we're not doorman, if we're not in the parking lot ministry, the obligation or the calling of guest services is now upon each of us. Because now that guest has stepped in to our facility, into our sanctuary, and they know no one. They've met a few people, shaken a few hands. They probably don't remember anything about what was told to them. And they're walking into a place, and now it's our job, the body, the people of the church, to go above and beyond in making sure that this guest feels welcomed and comfortable. So as I stated earlier, I'll say it again, we're not a seeker-friendly church. We're a 100% guest-friendly church. It's at this point that the body of Christ, the church, has to ensure that these guests are loved on and that they're made to feel welcome. Pastor Harpo has said many times he could preach the best message that has ever been preached. But if the guest doesn't feel welcomed or loved by the people, they may never come back. If they don't feel it before the music ever starts, they don't feel it before the preaching ever starts, if they don't feel it before the altar call, they may never come back again. So there's a huge responsibility for us, the body, the people of God, to make sure that we're going to the extreme to make these guests feel welcome. We can't have the mindset that we're going to leave it to someone else and make sure that the guest needs are met. It, it's easy. It would be easy for some to say, well, I'm not a preacher. I'm not, a pa- I'm not the pastor. I'm not a teacher. I'm not a Sunday school leader. I'm not this. I'm not that. However, we have to remind ourselves that we once were a guest too. Amen. I remember that when I remember when I walked into a Pentecostal church for the first time, Woo, glory to God. It wasn't a big facility. In fact, you could probably, within these two rows, this, these two sections were probably bigger than the church I got the Holy Ghost in. And I, it was old school. I've said it many times. They sang the continuation of worship was one long song at a 2-4 beat. You clapped your hands and you shouted. And I gripped that pew. My knuckles were white. And I was scared out of, I'll be honest, I was scared out of my mind being in a Pentecostal atmosphere. But you know what I, I, I remembered more than the, the singing, more than the shouting, more than the people speaking in tongues that I never experienced or saw in my life. There was people running around. There was people doing cartwheels. There was people shouting and lifting their hands and hollering and crying. Above all of that, the one thing that I went home when my step-grandmother asked me, the, the, the 
scariest question of all to ask, I guess, well, what did you think? And I said, whoa, I, I don't know, Grandma Linda. I said, but I felt so, why did everybody shake my hand? Why did everybody give me a hug and talk to me? And they're like, because they love you. They, you're a, you were a guest and they want you to be a part. I said, well, I don't know about all that other stuff, but I, I, I'll come back because I, I feel loved. I feel like they wanted me here. Feel like I, they, 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 that the spirit, see, we can't worry about the spiritual side until we meet the physical need. Amen. So we can't have the mindset that says, well, it's not my job or it's not me. I'm shy. I'm an introvert. All it takes is just go up and say, hey, we're so glad to have you today. We got to make them feel welcome. We have to prioritize the guest. We understand that that guest does not have to be here. They could have went to any other church in town, but they chose to come here. They don't owe New Life Fellowship. They don't owe us, Pastor Harpo, anything. They are a guest looking for somewhere to worship. This is not their church. There's, they have no reason to return unless the church offers a welcoming hand. These guests that will come in and are coming in, they have needs. You say, oh yeah, they do. They need to get saved. No, what they need is a smile. They need a warm welcome. They need, oh, here we go. Now this, I'm going to hear some toes scrape on the, on, the, on the carpet. They need a place to sit. Oh, they, they need room to worship if that's their pleasure. They, they got to have somewhere that, that says, you know what, we love you enough. I, I, trust me, I, I have places I like to sit. I get a, the sounds better. The, it's mainly because the air conditioner blows on me. <laughs> but if a guest comes, and if, if, a guest, if a guest is standing in the aisle, and they're looking around, and they're trying to find a seat, you bet, you bet your bottom dollar, that's a southern thing, you bet your bottom dollar, I'll walk over there, and I'm not going to let that guest wander around and just look around like they have no idea. I'm going to walk over there, Bishop Harpool, and I'm going to say, hey, uh, can I help you guys? They're like, yeah, we're trying to fight. Well, you know what? Come on, right here. I got a seat for you. And I walk over there, and I grab my keys. I grab my mints. I grab my Bible. And I, I go stand in the back, and I give that guest my seat. Because I want to make sure that they, there's no hindrances, that they're not sit. Because here's what, let's be honest, here's what's going to happen. If they walk in and they can't find a seat and we're not willing to give up ours, they're going to go sit in the back and not hear anything else except I was looking for a seat and not one person offered me a place to sit. We cannot take away God's opportunity based upon our preferences. We have to be willing to give up our seat, ourself, saying, well, I'm an introvert, but ah, praise the Lord. You know, take a bottle of hand sanitizer around. And let me just say this. We have to be normal around guests. <laughs> Trust me, I've seen some crazy things in church. We, we had this gentleman in Raleigh. His name was Brother Charlie, and that's all I'll say. And... um he rode around with a rooster in his van, a real rooster. And in church, he would go, hallelujah. 
hallelujah. You, he would just say it all the time, hallelujah. He'd come up to you, and when he shook your hand, he was a big man. You knew he shook your hand. He crushed every bone in your hand. And he said, hallelujah, we're so glad to have you here. I felt welcomed and broken at the same time. We, we have to present ourselves as we would want people to approach us, right? I've seen people walk, run up to guests. They, oh, hey, we're so glad to hear. Like it's a contest who can shake their hand first. Just walk up, be cool. Be like me. <laughs> and that's right. Thank you, Bishop. He said, God, help us all. This is the moment where you say, bless him, Lord. <laughs> when he, it's either you're doing good or you need to move on. So I'm going to take it as I'm doing good. Amen myself. <laughs> Amen. So we have to be normal, act normal as we can be. It doesn't have to, you, when you, a guest comes in and you help them find a seat, it doesn't have to be a, a deep conversation. Don't ask them about political views. Don't ask them about finances. Just say, hey, how are you? Oh, your name is John? Oh, fantastic. Is this... and. I've learned, trust me, I'm going to give you a little wisdom here. I've learned never, never guess that the person beside them is the one they're married to. (laughs) I've never, I learned the hard way. I've been shut down. I've been mean mugged. All by saying, oh, is this your wife? No, no. I wouldn't be married to her. (laughs) Or her going, I wouldn't marry this guy. So now I just say, hey, we're so glad to have you, John. Thank you. And this is, and I let them tell me who that person is to them. It's a small conversation, and it begins right here in the sanctuary. We have to put their needs before our preferences. So we help them find a seat. We get a little bit of conversation going with them. We gather information through conversation, but the information is not for them It's so that we can know how we can pray for their needs eventually. And I always say this. If a guest has children and they they bypass the the children welcome uh, guest or check in for Sunday school, I always say, would your children like to go to Sunday school? And I explained the process of our Sunday school department. I said, if they'd like to go, I said, upstairs, that we have a kid's sanctuary. And I tell them every little detail so that they know what their kids will expect. I say, in our sanctuary, it's really cool. I said, we have these speakers and we have all the young people, they lead worship. I said, the, the Sunday school kids, they, they run the media and the sound. And we got little chairs for the little kids and then they get bigger all the way up to age 11. And they go up there and they worship. And I said, you don't have to worry about your child's safety. You'll check them in at the desk. You'll get a specific name tag with them. You'll get the other part. I explained every little detail because I want that guest to know that not only only are they safe, but their children are safe. And if they say yes, then I say, well, come on, I'll take you. Regardless of what I'm doing or I have to do or I need to do, I stop everything to make sure that that guest knows everything that is going on in the, in the house at that moment. And I walk up even at the guest. If they say, no, that's okay. I said, well, maybe next time I'm speaking faith. So well, maybe next time when you guys come back, maybe they'll feel a little more comfortable and they'll want to go. They're like, yeah, absolutely. 
And, I, and then I asked the question, have you ever been in a Pentecostal church before? And they say, well, no, I, I don't know. And uh, no, not that I know of. I said, well, let me explain what you're going to experience today. Here in a few minutes, we're going to have our worship team come up. The piano is going to play, the guitars, the drums, and we're going to have a wonderful worship service. And in that worship service, you're going to have people that are going to be clapping their hands. They're going to be raising their hands. You, you may even see people that are jumping up and down. They're shouting for joy because they're feeling the presence of God. I said, you may even feel goosebumps. I said, I know that sounds weird. I'm just real with them. I say, I know it sounds weird. You may feel like the hair on the back of your head is standing up. Sometimes it's the air conditioner, but most likely it's not. And I tell them, that is the spirit of God you're going to feel in this service today. If If you would like, you can clap with us. We love that. You can worship with us. We love that. I let them know what they're about to experience. So when it all starts and everybody comes to the front and we have a shout down service like we did Sunday morning, they're not sitting back there going, oh, my word. I have already mentally prepared them to experience what is transpiring. It's just relaying information to them. Just conveying to them, hey, you're in a Pentecostal church. We clap, we sing, you're going to hear people talking in tongues. Don't worry about it. We're not crazy. Maybe a little bit. I'm teasing. I ask them these things, and, 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 and I can see, you can watch the guests, that they're, they just kind of calm down a little bit because now they're not in a facility of 600 plus people where they don't know anybody. They, they're sitting there isolated. They, they're not nervous because they've been welcomed by all of us. We've shaken their hand. We've said, hey, we're so glad to have you today. Thank you for being here. They've got information, and now they can take all that information, and they can allow the Lord to work in, in the service. And before I ever walk away from them, and I know this sounds like it takes a long time, but it's probably only about 30 or 45 seconds. And before I walk away from him, Bishop Harpool, I say, hey, again, my name is Tim Barber. If there's anything you need, you have any questions, I'll be sitting right over there. Just come find me. And I let them know, if there's, you have any needs at all, just let me know and I'll, I'll help you. Now, if that guest, after all of that has passed and that guest makes the decision to come to the altar to pray... We have to be bold in the spirit, but we also have to be wise in our conversation with them. They, they may have never felt what they're feeling in that moment. Maybe they've never experienced the power of God or that godly sorrow like that before. They've come down, their heart's heavy. Maybe they've come down because they've seen all of us come down. And they say, oh man, they're getting prayed for. I have a need. And they're coming down here. We have to understand, they don't know to raise their hands. They may not feel comfortable to raise their hands. And as Pentecostals, sometimes we've been taught that um, I'll just go to what I speak to what I know. When I got it, I came out of my seat on my own. I walked to the front and I had two, two men came and prayed for me. And I didn't know what I was doing. 
I knew a little bit about repentance because I, my grandmother had explained that to me. I knew nothing about the infilling of the Holy Ghost, about baptism. My grandmother back in the day, 25, uh, a little bit longer than that now, I guess. But she just kind of let the Lord do his thing. And I was kind of like a stray cat, like trying to herd cats, you know. And um, I was up there. One was on one side going, let go. And one was on this side going, hold on. I'm sorry, I still want to do it. I mean, I don't know what to say. <laughs> so I, I repented. It, I wish I would have had somebody tell me what I'm trying to help you with tonight and, and say that, you know, sometimes it's okay to, if, even if they're crying and they're just sitting there, they're weeping, they're not saying nothing. I stop them and I say, I ask people around, say, hey, do you know their name? In case I didn't get a chance to greet them. I ask them their name or I stop and say, hey, hey, sir. Hey, sir, real quick, do you know what you're experiencing right now, what you're feeling? And sometimes they shake their head no. I said, well, what you're feeling is the Spirit of God. It's God's presence. It's Him letting you know that He's with you right in this moment. And I say to them, do you have a specific need that you would like me to pray for? Because it's, it's, our, it's our spirit, it's our churchiness, I guess the way I could put it, that wants to pray them through to the Holy Ghost, right? But we can't, I, I, we can't, th- let me say this, they don't want to know, they don't care how much we know until they know how much we care. So I asked them, is there any need I can pray for? And it's at that moment that they said, well, my, my daughter is sick. And I said, okay, well, let's pray for your daughter. And then we start praying for their daughter. And then once we're done praying for their daughter, I begin to tell them, now you know the Lord loves you and he wants to touch your needs. And he wants to forgive you of your sin. Have you ever repented of your sin? Sometimes they say no. Sometimes they say yes. If they say yes, I say, have you ever received the Holy Ghost? With the I, I just ask them questions. Not that I'm no more. I'm just asking questions. And if they say no, I've never received the Holy Ghost. I say, well, the Bible says it's a promise. It's a gift. Do you like gifts? They say, yes, I like gifts. I say, well, do you want to receive one now? They, Sure. I said, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We are going to repent together. And I repent right there with them. I said, we're going to lift our hands. I said, okay, let's repent. And I begin repenting because a lot of times they don't know what to say. And I repent right there with them. And as they repent and, and the godly sorrow washes over, I say, okay, now let's thank him for it. Let's thank him. And I've walked them through every step of salvation even through baptism at the end. Because we have to assume that they may not know. We don't know what they know unless we ask questions. Amen? I understand this may seem somewhat elementary tonight. However, I believe that this is very critical and very important part of the body of Christ. If we're to build the body up and be stronger, we have to learn and know how to care for our guests. It's the introductions, it's the conversations, it's the sincerity and the helping hand that will show each and every guest that we're excited for them to be here. Leviticus 19 and 34. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. In other words, you treat that guest just as if he's already a part of you. And you shall love him as yourself. So not only am I going to treat that guest as they're already a part of the family of God, I'm going to treat them as much as I love me. He says, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt. 
I am the Lord your God. Everything points back to the Lord. It's our job to help guide the way. That's how we are to obtain guests in, new, in our guest services. So now how do we care for new believers? 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. New believers are those who have repented of their sins. They've been baptized in Jesus' name. They've been filled with the Holy Ghost. And they're attending our services here on a regular basis. Our care, our concern for the new believer is not over when they get baptized. It's only just the beginning. We can't say, well, we got them in the water. We got them speaking in tongues. Good luck. <laughs> I know that seems kind of strong, but we can't just, a baby doesn't, a mother doesn't deliver a baby and the doctor just go, well, here he is. Good luck. No, the doctor takes the baby, checks the baby out, and the nurses clean the baby up. They, they help the baby learn to nurse. They make sure the baby's temperature is maintained, and they make sure that baby is okay until it is able to regulate and function and be able to do it on its own. That's what we are. I've said it many times. I'll say it again. This house is not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for the sick. It's a place where people that were guests make that decision that they're going to be a part of the family of God and they repent and they're baptized in Jesus' name and God fills them with the Holy Ghost. And that's fantastic. But life is still going on. All the stuff that happened in their life last week and five years ago is still trailing behind them. Not in a spiritual sense, but in a physical sense. Because just because we're baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost does not mean that we're just, we're, everything is perfect and going great. We still have to deal sometimes with the consequences of our decisions when we were yet in sin. I truly thought that when I got the Holy Ghost that everything was going to be great. I thought that it was all going to be fantastic. Here we go. Woo, this is great. I love it. This is fantastic. And I remember going home from church uh, when I left the summer with my, grand, my grandfather and my step-grandmother that summer. And I went home. And, man, I was on cloud nine. I was on fire. I was, I was staying at church on Sundays. I was praying. I was fasting. I, I mean, it was, I had found I found a love that was like no other. I found people that loved me, that did not care where I came from, did not care the clothes on my back. I tell you, they didn't care what I wore. I, I remember today, I had, it was Duke Blue. God forgive me because I like the Carolina Tar Heels. But that's all the thrift store had at the time. It was a Duke Blue, Duke Blue uh, pair of trousers that were way too big for me. And I wore my grandpa's short sleeve shirt because I had nothing. And I wore it every single service because it's all I had. And I was on fire for God and I loved it. You know why I loved it so much? It wasn't just because God filled me with the Holy Ghost. It wasn't just because God healed me of being deaf a few months just after being in the church. It was because I felt love in the church. I felt like the church wanted me there, didn't care how it was. And I thought I was on the, on the cloud above all clouds until I got in the van and it was time for me to go back home because school was about to start. And as soon as I opened the door, the trailer, single wide trailer, was filled with smoke. Marijuana smoke. There was cocaine lined out on the glass table. Mom was out of her mind drunk. 
That's what I, I, I say I went from heaven to hell in 45 minutes. And my world, reality hit me. Here I am. But the Spirit of God didn't leave me. And you know what kept me? Is Brother Earl. I, I remember this day. I, I, he was the van driver. He would contact me on Monday. He said, Tim, how you doing? I said, I'm doing great. It's tough, you know, things. He goes, I know, but God's for you. And it kept me going. And I remember standing on that porch, that wooden porch that was leaning like this. I remember standing on there. And Brother Earl said, Brother Tim, I'll be there at 6 o'clock to pick you up. I said, Let's go. I'm ready. I'm excited. I got my grandpa shirt on and my, my big old trousers and my shoes. And I'm standing there. And I'm, we didn't have iPhones where you could click and go, oh, man, it's 602. We didn't have Apple Watches. We didn't even have flip phones. So here I was. I'd open the screen door and I'd peek my head in. And I'd look at the clock on the stove. And it was 602. And the panic set in. And I thought, oh, man, Brother Earl forgot me. He forgot me. He's not going to come. He's not going to come. Oh, no, he'll come. He'll come. And then 6.05, and panic set in. And there I was, 15 years old, weeping like a baby on the porch because I thought the van driver from the church forgot me. Only to see, as soon as I checked the clock one more time, I came back out, and there come Brother Earl in the church van driving around. I, I didn't give him a chance to pull in the driveway. I ran to the van. Why did I run to the van? It wasn't because God had done great things for me. It's because I was excited to go back to church and see my family. I was back to see the people that prayed for me and loved me. They loved me back to health. So how do we care for the, the new believer or this new seed? One would think, oh, a Bible study, that is the great, that's a great thing. We need Bible studies. They are important. They are necessary. But what the new believer needs is fellowship. They need people to say, hey, you want to go to lunch this Sunday? What I always say is I say this. I say, I say to the, 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 the new believer, I say to them, I say, Hey, um, next Sunday, let's go get lunch. I say that for multiple reasons. One, I want them to know that I want to fellowship with them. And two, I want them to know that I, I expect them to be back next Sunday. That way they have something to look forward to. They need fellowship because it's Bible studies are good. You can't outdo the word, but it's in fellowship where they learn how to take on the personification of being a Christian. That's why we got to be careful of our conversations and what we say and how we, how we handle things among, uh, among ourselves because our goal is to care for the new believer from their old, their natural ways into this new walk that God has given them. And the way we can accomplish this is by doing it and being together with them. Ask them to lunch. You see them, you see them here and they're sitting at a table by themselves and it's before church. Say, hey, hey, sis, hey, bro, brother, would you come? Let's get a cup of coffee. Let, let, you don't drink coffee. Let, let's, let's go. Let's get some. Let's get a snack real quick and just sit down and talk. Take time. We're busy. Everybody's busy. But when it comes to the new believer, we have to protect that seed because the enemy's out to get it. The enemy is out to tell them, oh, that wasn't real. What you experienced in baptism, oh, that, that wasn't real. That speaking in tongues, that's not real. It's just fake. We have to protect that seed. When we are in fellowship with the new believer, our conversations 
are to be uplifting and encouraging. It's not always easy for some to let go of things they've struggled with for many years. We have to come alongside of them and let them know that they can make it. Let them know, hey, you're, you may make some mistakes. You may fall short. You may slip up and do what you used to do. But that's okay. The Bible says, that don't rejoice against me, enemy, when I fall. It's not if, it's when. I'm going to rise up. So we got to get up. Don't, don't just get so, you got to instruct them. Don't get so bogged down. And, and, and when you fail, look at what made you fall and don't do that again. It's teachable moments in times of fellowship. That's what we have to do for the new believer. It's imperative because that new believer could be the next Sunday school teacher. That new believer could be the new worship leader one day. That new believer could be a missionary to the greatest revival that's ever happened on the other side of the globe. We never know the seed we're protecting after they've been born again. We never know what that seed will grow up and become. But it's our, our pleasure, I, I should say, to protect that seed and care for that seed. Now we talk about our third and final point is the new member. Who is a new member? My family and I were one-time new members here at New Life Fellowship. We came from another city. We came from another church. It was a church that I helped pastor. Um, new members come for, for many reasons, but a new member is someone that comes from another congregation and makes the decision that this is where they want to be. New members come for many reasons, but whatever that reason is, They've come here. And it, let, let me just be honest. It does take time to adjust to this house. It's a big house. But I will say this, as sure as I'm standing here. From the moment we pulled up on this parking lot to the moment we pulled under the portico, the old portico. Many may remember it was on the front where the atrium is now. To the time I walked in, we've never felt so much love from the people of this house and cared for Many of you, even some under the sound of my voice and those that are teaching in various places tonight, you, when we were driving two hours and 15 minutes one way, we had nowhere to go on Sundays, this body took care of this, this new member and his family. They said, Brother Tim, why don't you come over to our house and just have lunch with us today. You guys can freshen up here. Many, many times did that happen, and I'm forever grateful for that. My family is as well. That's what it means to take care of new members. Because we have to understand, new members, I pastored, but new members come where they're from other pastors, other churches where the music wasn't like it is here, or the, the organization wasn't like it is here. That church had to function based upon where they were and what they were doing in their city. So there was an adjustment period for everyone that comes here and they need that time to acclimate to the church. I can say from experience, it does take a little time to adjust, not only to the size, but to the people, to the pastor, to the first lady, but the dynamics of the church a new member, they need care in a different way than any guest or new believer that I mentioned tonight. They do not need to be baptized, but they do need to learn our culture. Everybody say culture. 
These members already have a relationship with the Lord, and they're acquainted with the apostolic doctrine and the Pentecostal style of worship. We don't have to explain any of that to them. So how do we care for the new member? We take time. And we explain our processes, our ministries, our leadership, not all at one time, but it's just little words, little conversations, here a little, there a little, line upon line, and precept upon precept. We, we, we let them know, oh, hey, we don't do that. No, here's how we do it here at New Life Fellowship. See, caring for them is to discover where they came from. We get a backstory of their life and not, and how they came to New Life Fellowship, but even how they come, came to know the Lord. A backstory is just not, why did you leave your old church? Why are you driving all the way here to New Life Fellowship? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about get involved in their life to the point where when they're at the altar and they're praying, you are confident enough that you can walk up and say, hey, brother so-and-so, what can I help you pray for? Hey, sis, what do you need? They can look at you because you've cared for them. You've loved them. You've nurtured them. You've shown them the culture. They can look at you and be honest with you and say, I'm struggling and I need some help. Would you just pray for some strength in my spirit? That's what it is to care for them. We have to help them evolve or take on the culture of not only New Life Fellowship, but Pastor Harpole. See, culture is the underlying thread that connects you to everyone else. It, it looks, culture looks at the big picture and represents the whole. Culture here at New Life Fellowship just doesn't happen. It didn't just happen. It's been a developing process for years, even before a lot of us uh, that are here now ever got here. We, and we are thankful for those that created that culture. I'm thankful that Pastor Harpole, when they were at the North Campus, him and Sister Tammy had great work ethic and created a culture of New Life Fellowship that me and my family could step in and we could be healed eternally and emotionally and spiritually and physically. And God could begin to use my family because of the culture that was created, the vision that was cast a long time ago. See, care is to take that new member, fellowship with them, have conversations over dinners and get-togethers and just give them time to learn. Some things are taught and some things are caught. Sometimes the new member has to learn by observation, just watching. A lot of, a lot of um, I've learned a lot just by simply watching Pastor Harpole and Sister Tammy and how the leaders of this church, Brother Zach and Sister Lacey, and how they handle certain situations I've learned a lot just by watching. They didn't teach it to me, but I watched them and I observed them and and I learned a whole lot from them. So here's the objective of caring for the new member. It is simply to transfer the DNA of Pastor Harpel and his vision into every single new member that comes to this church. It's to help them to understand the, the vision, pastor's vision, that we nurture, we care for them, and we move his vision forward in the whole church. We let them know, or it's said many times, there's not many visions here. There's one vision, and that's pastor's vision. And we push that vision forward all together as the body of Christ. Our care is having a loving hand that points to leadership. If we want, we tell that new member, if you want to know how you're supposed to walk, talk, live, and act, these are the people you need to look at. That responsibility has been given to us by the Lord. 
to handle every guest with care, handle every new believer as a precious seed, and every new member with the understanding that this is now their church. Stand with me as I close. The declaration has to be made tonight in our minds. It has to be settled in our hearts. It's my responsibility to make sure that every guest is greeted, that every guest is loved on, every guest is informed to the best of my ability when they come, that they know everything that will help their experience here at New Life Fellowship be the greatest they've ever had. I have to settle it in my mind and declare it in my heart that every new believer has an example to follow, someone that will make that phone call daily or weekly and say, hey, I just want to check in, see how you're doing. Someone to simply just take time and invest in their life and their new life here at New Life. And finally, that the new member that transfers here and begins to learn our culture and and starts to catch the vision of pastor and they take on the culture of this assembly and they become grafted into this body. We want them to know we care. That's how we build the body. We care. So as we continue to grow, it becomes even more imperative to continue to care for all, all three of these, these people. The guest, the new believer, and the new member. Would you pray with me now? Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you, Lord, for the instruction and the information that you've given tonight to us. I pray that you would help me, Lord, to take on the personal responsibility with every guest and every new believer and every new member. I pray, God, that I would have that responsibility not just once in a while, but I would make it my lifestyle. I pray that as we grow, that I continue to care for those around me and those that are a part of me, that I learn to love and fellowship. Help us, Lord, to bond together that the body may be built up as we care for all of those that come to this house. In Jesus' name. And everybody say amen.